Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Uh, First reading comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, and it says this, For by grace... By the grace given in me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. And the second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free. But we have all been baptised into one body and one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, that would, not make it, would that not make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact... Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the most honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has pointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have a gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have a gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak an unknown language? Do we all have the ability to interpret an unknown language? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Awesome. Let's welcome Pastor Luke. 
Thank you, Sandra and Ads, for those Bible readings. And thank you for the worship team as well for leading us in song today. I just love the words of those songs that I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. I think that's got to be the declaration of us as a church, right? As we're led by the Holy Spirit to make room, to put aside the things that hold us back and to give God the space. And then the second song was all about, um, how did it go, that second one again? Stir it up in my heart. Stir it up in, stir it up in our hearts. A passion for Jesus, right? It's a week out from footy season. I don't need to sing over myself, stir it up in my heart, a passion for St Kilda. But sometimes we need to sing over ourselves, stir it up in our hearts, a passion for Jesus, don't we? And so I really encourage you to make that your declaration this week, that we sing that over our lives every week, that God would stir up a passion in our hearts for Jesus. But that's not the sermon. And so let's just get back to the sermon. Um, And important things, like on the 2nd of March, was my birthday. And so I turned 25 again, which was a a great milestone. I know what a lot of you are thinking. You look amazing for 25, and why thank you. Uh, That is very true. You weren't meant to laugh at that point, but that's true. But birthday's always special, right? We love birthdays because we catch up with friends and families, and we have meals. Last night, I just went out with both of my brothers, who were also born in March, and we celebrated our birthdays together. And, And you get messages from people you don't even see for the rest of the year. You hear nothing from them, and then you get messages from these people. I think the technical term is Facebook friends. And even though you never see or hear from them any other time, it's kind of nice, isn't it, to get a message on your birthday, even from your Facebook friends. One of the things I love about birthdays is gifts. I love receiving gifts. Gifts are a wonderful thing. They're actually probably my lowest thing on my love languages, but at my birthday, they sort of come up a few notches because at that point, I love gifts. Uh, Everyone loves to receive gifts. This year, I got given a voucher for the Peninsula Hot Springs. Anyone been there? Oh, it's an absolute masterpiece. If you haven't been there, you've got to go and just soak in the spas all day. It's so refreshing. And so I'm looking forward to heading off to doing that in a couple of weeks. But gifts are good. Hands up if you like gifts. Excellent. Well, was a million dollars for everyone who put their hand up. And those who didn't, um, <laughs> everyone likes gifts. Let's not kid ourselves. The good news for you today is this, that if you're here at the service and you like gifts, there may be a gift taped under your chair. And so take a moment to check under your chair. Our service is at capacity, but there are some empty seats because of social distancing. So check under the chairs next to you as well, and you might just find a gift there. If you've got a gift, hold it up in the air. In fact, stand up and wave it in the air. Excellent. Over there. Sherry Gardner, stand on up. Over there. Linton, great. We've got the third gift. It's probably on one of the random chairs over here. (laughs) There's like 150 spare chairs there. There's three gifts in total, right? So we're taking a lot longer than I imagined. You found a gift? No, it's an envelope. Have we found the third one? God is our gift. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Have we got the third gift? Stand up if you've got a gift. One over there, Sherry. Two, Linton. And there's one over here somewhere. So you people haven't checked very well. This illustration is taking a lot longer than I thought it would, to be honest. No, that's a sticker. Have we got the third one? We've got one, yes. Well done, excellent. Very good. Let's give those people a hand of applause. Well done. You've got a gift there today. And it's good news. You got yourself a gift. And if you just got a gift, you're probably pretty stoked. And for the rest of you, you're probably thinking, what is it? It's a Kurong voucher. It's a Kurong voucher, right? So you've got a Kurong voucher to spend this week. And if you missed out, you might think, you know what? It's a real shame 
that I didn't get a gift. Well, I want to tell you today some good news. The title of today's message is Everyone Has a Gift. Now, we can't give everyone a gift voucher from a Bible uh, Christian bookstore, but God in His grace has given each of us a gift or gifts to use in our lives as part of what we were created for. Last week, our first service back, I shared about the importance of seeing church as a spiritual family. And if I was to sum up last week's message with one word, that word would be belonging. Belonging. Important to belong. Today's message is going to start at the place of belonging, but it's going to morph into using our gifts. And if I could sum this week up with one word, it would be contributing. Belonging and contributing. Now, I wonder whether you know what gifts God has given you. And more to the point, whether you have discovered how to exercise those gifts to honour him and be a blessing to the world. Because the idea of gifts or being gifted is clearly a biblical idea. I love at the start of uh, the epistles, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. He knows exactly who he is. So for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. At the start of the second letter to the Corinthians, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And at the start of Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, not by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And so as Paul traveled around the known world, starting churches, raising up leaders, sharing the gospel, he did it all from a clear sense of identity. He knew who he was, he knew how God had gifted him, and he knew how God was calling him to use those gifts and live out his purpose. And so if I wonder today, this question on the screen, if I was to ask you today how God has gifted you and what purpose does your life have, would you be able to clearly define that or would you be left scratching your head? It's an important question to be able to answer. I want to make it clear today at the very start of this message that if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're in this room or watching on live stream, he has called you and he has gifted you. And the purpose of your life is to discover those gifts and to maximize them for the glory of God. And as you do, you'll find a real sense of joy and fulfillment and purpose in your life. It won't always be easy but you will find those things as you discover the ways that God has gifted you. And so the two passages that were read today are two of the more predominant passages when it comes to giftedness and the gifts we have as part of the body of Christ. And so last weekend I talked about belonging to the family of God, but another term scripture uses to describe a very similar idea is belonging to the body of Christ. And so when we put our faith in Jesus and we come to know him as Lord and Saviour, He doesn't save us to be stuck on an island by ourselves. He actually saves us. And at the point of conversion, we are placed in a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're placed within a body. A body where we all have been uniquely designed to contribute to. And so it's really important to understand that we're a family and that we have a body, the body of Christ, where we all have a role to play. And so here's the idea. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus was literally the body of Christ. He was the physical body of Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. That is an incredible reality, right? 
that the eternal, all-powerful God actually made himself flesh and came and dwelled amongst us. It's incredible for this reason that every other religion has a God that's aloof, a God that's out there somewhere. He's big and powerful and a little scary. And you've got to spend your whole life trying to please that God. If you can do enough to earn his affection and acceptance, if you strive hard enough, then you might just scrape into whatever the next life holds. Christianity is the exact opposite of that, that we have a God who loved us so much that he left the glory of heaven and he actually came down into his broken creation in order to redeem us and all creation to himself. This is the good news of the gospel and it's wonderful, wonderful news for each of us. But in his humanity, known as his incarnation, Jesus subjected himself to many of the limitations we face as humans. Uh, Example, Jesus could only be at one place at one time. Like, we can only be at one place at one time. Now, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. But Jesus, in his humanity, could only be at one place at a time. So you might remember the story of Lazarus, for example. Jesus' dear friend, he gets word. He's ministering in this place, and he gets this word from these people saying that your dear friend Lazarus, Lazarus is about to die. And so... Jesus is ministering in this place. He stays another couple of days, but then he makes his way to see his dear friend Lazarus, who is sick. And when he arrives, Martha comes out to greet him, and she says, If you had of been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Jesus couldn't be there and in the other region where he's ministering all at the same time because Jesus, God in human form, chose to accept and embrace the limitations of humanity when he came and dwelt amongst us. Now, don't we all wish that we could be at multiple places at once? Wouldn't it be great to be able to be at the footy and be at your friend's birthday party at the same time? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have to go to work every day to earn a living, but at the same time be there at the gate when your child comes out after school? We miss so many precious moments because we can only be at one place at one time. It would be good to be omnipresent, but we can't. And I know that you would all want to be omnipresent. Do you know why I know that? Because we all try to do it. You might go, well, how do we try to do it? Well, um, I want you just to pat your pockets for a minute. And see what's in your pockets. And for many of you this morning, you will find what is known as a smartphone, which is ironically making us dumber than we've ever been before. But we go to our smartphone and we think with our smartphone, we have mastered the art of being omnipresent, don't we? That I can be with my family after dinner in the lounge room, having a good time. But at the same time, I can be sending a message via Facebook to my friend in the UK. And then I can be tweeting something to someone in America on Twitter. And I can be answering emails on my phone all in the same time at the same moment. And we, we sort of fool ourselves to think that we've worked out how to be omnipresent. The sad reality being that presence in so many places means that we're not truly present anywhere. God is the only one who is omnipresent, everywhere, all at once, completely present to us. We're not omnipresent. We can only be at one place at one time because we're human. And so Jesus faced that same limitation when the word became flesh. In the same way, he suffered like we do. He was tempted like we are. He felt physical tiredness like we do. He had the pain of rejection and betrayal that we all go through. He went through the full range of human emotions from crushing you know, pain and anguish to incredible joy. He experienced all of that stuff. 
You see, when Jesus was on earth, he was literally the body of Christ, fully human. People could hear his voice. They could experience his physical embrace. They could be changed by one touch. They could put their fingers in the holes in his hands after his resurrection. Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time. And so the Gospels tell a story of the body of Christ literally here on earth dwelling in our midst, that he lived this phenomenal life, this sinless life. We read that he died an unjust death on the cross for our sin. We read that he rose again conquering death and 40 days after his resurrection he ascended to heaven. And as we read through the Gospels, we focus in on his life and his death and his resurrection, but we often skip over his ascension. But it's important we don't because something really significant happens when Jesus ascends back to heaven. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read something quite profound. As his physical body departed earth and descended to heaven, it tells us that he showered gifts down on his people, that he gave gifts to his people And the reason he did that is so we can now represent his body here on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we know from Scripture that Jesus is the head. He's the one we look to. He's our vision. He leads us and guides us. But we are his body, literally his hands and his feet. And so as we go, our role is to represent the person of Jesus or the body of Christ in this world. And so as we're kind... As we express generosity, as we share the good news of the gospel, as we love and forgive and bless, we are representing Jesus on this earth. The scriptures tell us that we are his ambassadors. He is the head that leads us and we carry out his ministry as the body of Christ. This is why we're called Christians. Now, most of the time we're happy to accept that title, aren't we? Someone says, are you a Christian? We say, yes. But when Christian, that word Christian was first designed, it was a derogatory term. And it actually means little Christs. And so people would say, oh, there's those Christians, those little Christs. Of course, they thought it was derogatory, but they didn't know it's actually the greatest compliment we could ever be given. Because that's exactly what we're meant to be. We're meant to represent Jesus. When people look at us, they shouldn't just see us, they should see Jesus, his character, his mission, who he is in and through his body, the body of Christ, you and I. And so we are known as Christians, little Christs. Jesus said that before he left earth, you're going to do even greater things than me. And through the Holy Spirit, in this very moment, in every corner of the world, Jesus is present, not in his physical body, but through the physical bodies of his people who are now the body of Christ. And so if you've accepted Christ, he has called you and he has gifted you to be part of this incredible body. Are you following me this morning? I'm up to my first point. The first point is this, that we are all part of the same body. We're all part of the same body. Jesus' last prayer recorded in the Gospel of John is quite a fascinating one. His final prayer for his disciples is that they would be one. They would be one. It's like he could see a world in the future full of division, all sorts of divisions, And that the church would face that same obstacle. And so he commits it to the Heavenly Father in prayer. And he says, may it not be so in my body. Because if this body is going to function, we need to work together. And so he prays for the disciples. And he prays for all of the believers throughout all generations. Which includes you and me sitting in this room today. And he prays that we may be one. 
Now, I want you to get hold of this this morning. Of all the things he could have prayed for, so many things in that moment Jesus could have prayed for. He could have prayed that we would all be happy and healthy. He could have prayed that all of our needs would be met. He could have prayed that we would agree on every single theological matter that's ever raised. He could have prayed that we would be safe from danger. He could have prayed that we had large, healthy churches. He could have prayed that we would be effective in our mission. There are so many things he could have focused on in his last earthly prayer, but there's only one thing he did pray, and it was this, that we would be one. He prays that we'd be united. Why is that important? Because we're all part of the same body. And for a body to function as it's designed to, it doesn't compete against itself. It all works together. Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In the Corinthians passage, it says the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. And so this morning, if we were able to teleport from this room to Africa and we found ourselves in the middle of a church service in Africa, you could be surrounded by a group of people with different colored skin, of a different nationality, with a different language, in a different context, with a very different culture, but you would be part of the same body. Isn't that incredible? The diversity and color that comes with a body like that. And I just love the vision in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And it's a vision when Jesus returns and we're all before the throne of God and there's this great multitude that you could not even possibly count. And it says in that multitude, in that moment, there are individuals from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language. And together as one, they are saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. What I love about that vision is this, that all the walls we create to divide ourselves are torn down and cease to exist. There's not going to be a section on that day where all the Pentecostals are worshipping and really going for it in one corner and they're loud and rowdy. And there's another section where you know, the more con- contemplative types are sitting there meditating. No, no, there won't be different sections. There won't be an Australian, an American and an Indian contingent fenced off in different zones. There won't be Anglicans and Presbyterians over one side sprinkling their babies and a pool for us Baptists over here going, well, we do full immersion. won't matter whether you've been deceived into thinking rugby union or rugby league or even soccer is real footy. And we all know it's actually AFL. won't matter about your end times theology, whether you're pre-mill, post-mill, pan-mill or any other type of mill. won't matter if you voted Labor or Liberal, whether you think coronavirus is real or fake, whether you think the earth is flat or round. It's round. doesn't matter if you're black or white, male or female, young or old. It won't matter what country, what language, what denomination you were from. All the ridiculous barriers we put up and the walls we build will be removed. All the excuses we come up with to divide and separate will all be washed away. And every person who put their faith in Christ will be there as one. All the colour, all the diversity, all the uniqueness, all that God has created, united together in one voice where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I don't know about 
about you. I'm trying to wake you up this morning, but I'm preaching myself happy this morning because I'm really looking forward to that day, right? The day when we're all there before the throne of God. Every person who's put their faith in Jesus is there to worship Him. I'm really looking forward to that day. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just pray that we'd see it one day. He wants us to experience it right now. In order for that to happen, he's placed us in one family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you might think, well, I don't really need brothers and sisters. I don't even like my brothers and sisters. Maybe you're an only child. Maybe you don't have a good relationship with your brothers and sisters. And I can understand why some people may think that way. Well, if brothers and sisters aren't connected enough for you in terms of analogy, Jesus said you're not just part of one family. You're part of one body. What do we know about our bodies? Well, every part is important. For a body to be effective, we need every part to be connected and we need every part to work together. And so we need to remember that we're all part of one body. Second thing we need to know is that we are unique and important parts. We are unique and important parts. I want you to repeat after me. I am unique and important. Okay, let's say it again, what we meant at this time. I am unique and important. Now look to the side, left and right, and say, you are unique and important. And look again and say, you are very unique. Very unique. And very important, right? Romans chapter 12, 6 to 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Not only is there a gift there, but there's an attitude that goes with it. In Corinthians it says, yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye... Would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What are the most helpful gifts for you and me? Well, they're the ones that God's uniquely given us. And what 
both passages make clear is that every part of the body and every gift within that body is important for the body to function how it's been created to function. And like in our human body, there are some parts that are easily some, uh, easily seen and there are other parts that are covered up by clothing. I think you're all probably relieved about that this morning. There are other parts that are internal and can never be seen. But what we know is just because you can see it doesn't mean that it's the most important part. When you think of our physical bodies, there are parts of our physical bodies that we tend to honour, right, above other parts. And so we say things like, oh, they've got a beautiful face. Oh, stunning eyes. Look at the definition in those legs. People often look at me and say, wow, check out those biceps. They're huge. And I don't even go to the gym for these. You're probably surprised to hear that. But... There's parts of the body that we think define beauty and we obsess over those parts of the body, right? We often see them as the most important parts. I can honestly say, I've never had anyone come up to me and say, Luke, you have beautiful ears. Like just, they are to die for. Just amazing, amazing ears you've got. Those ears are just so amazing. No one's ever said that. That would be a little bit eerie, wouldn't it? Never done pre-marriage counselling with a young couple, only to hear uh, the, the young guy say, when I saw my fiancé's little toe, I knew she was the one. I just had to put a ring on it. Like, not the toe, the, the finger, of course. Never, ever have I had that, because we don't honour the toes, do we? We don't uh, honour the toes at all. But have you ever stubbed the toe? <laughs> it's hard to believe that so much pain can come from something so small, and that little toe, which we don't think is that important, all of a sudden we're, we're limping around and we can't move, and it affects everyday life. Have you ever broken a finger? Broken lots of fingers playing footy and basketball, and you think, oh, it's just a little finger, but, but all of a sudden you, you can't type on the keyboard and you, you can't pick things up, you can't even wipe your backside. Like it's everything that's so simple becomes nigh on impossible when you lose that one little part because they're incredibly important, even if you can't see them. You know, no one's ever said to me, Luke, I love your intestines. They're just amazing intestines. You've got the way they swirl around and all that sort of stuff. No one's ever said, Luke, I love your intestines. I don't even really know what they're for, but I know they're important. <laughs> see, we don't honour the fingers or the toes or the ears or the intestines, the bits you can't see, but if they aren't working, the body won't function as it's meant to. You see, some parts are more visible, others are less visible. Some are more honoured and others are less honoured, but they are all important if the body is to function. And it's exactly the same with the body of Christ. Today you've seen a whole bunch of people up here that are visible. You've seen the worship team up here and they've done a wonderful job and they are visible. They do an amazing job every week and you probably go and say to them from time to time, hey, you're doing a great job. We really love the worship today. You've seen the service host, Adam and Sandra up the front. You've seen the welcome team, the leadership team. You've seen me up here speaking. And we are the more visible parts in our church. But the truth is you can only hear me and see me this morning because there's other people who aren't visible who got here at the crack of dawn this morning to set up. And they're going to stay late today to pack up. There are also people that run the sound and AV and now the live streaming. And you wouldn't roster me on the live streaming because it would have to change its name to dead streaming because I've got no technical ability at all when it comes to that sort of equipment. And so I am fully dependent on the expertise of the people at that back desk and you're watching this live streaming because of them. In fact, they are the most powerful people in the church because at any moment they can shut me up and shut me down 
And so you never mess with the sound AV people. They are very powerful people. They're a team of people today who run the hospitality. Each and every week we can enjoy tea and the coffee card and all those sorts of things after the service. Esther and the team right now are in the other rooms running an amazing kids program for those that have got kids here this morning. And they're out there learning about Jesus so that we can worship together here in this room. Last week we celebrated communion together. We had individual cups full of juice and individual cups full of bread. And believe it or not, that didn't just appear. It started during the week, a conversation with Tanya Holdsworth. She made the effort to go and get the supplies. She got here early. She bought tables from home. She set up five stations so that we could move around this room and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We may not have even noticed Tanya. You may not have seen her. But it was only possible because she's a person, an unseen person, using her gifts to serve the body. These are just some examples of many people who regularly serve with their God-given gifts. And that's just what happens on a weekend, right? So you've got all the stuff during the week, that unknown prayer warrior that's praying for our church every week and lifting us up in prayer. Those people that are brilliant at encouraging and caring for people. Those people that lead life groups during the week or host them. Those that phone people they haven't seen for a while just to let them know they're loved. The list goes on and on and on. These people are less visible, but the unseen parts are just as critical as the bits you can see. So I want to say this morning, don't covet or crave the gifts that others have. If you're an eye, don't try and be a foot, because kicking a football with your eye won't feel great. If you're a hand, don't try to be a foot because cooking dinner with your feet is not that hygienic. If you're a butt cheek, don't try to be a bladder because it's much more pleasant sitting on your butt cheeks this morning than it would be on your bladder. These are weird examples, right? (laughs) Now that I say them out loud, it sounds even weirder, but hopefully you get the point, right? I need you to be who you've been created to be. You need me to be who I've been created to be in order for this body to function. So I want to say to each person here today, or watching online, whether you use your gifts in a seen way or an unseen way, you are appreciated, you are loved, you are valued, and you are critical if this body is to be all that Christ wants it to be. And so I want to ask you the question this morning, how are you using your gifts to glorify God? Because functioning parts equal a functioning body. For a body to function, we need all the parts working. You know, a couple of years ago, I went through this strange phenomenon for a few couple of months, really, where I kept waking up all the time with dead arm. Has anyone ever had dead arm? I'm not just talking about a little tingle. like That's funny, there's a bit of a tingle there, or it doesn't feel that good. No, no, I'm talking about dead arm like this. And I would be panicking in bed, like thumping my arm. Like, Kim's like, what are you doing? My arm's gone again. Like, I don't think it's coming back this time. Like, it's dead. Like, I cannot wake it up, right? Have you ever had those moments? And I'm starting to think, well, what am I going to do with one arm? Like, Paul and Jen this week, I know they're going to say, lift your arms in worship. I'm going to be like, you know, like, my arm is gone to sleep. It's dead. And it's a bit of a freak out when that happens. Like, it's really quite scary. And it's a bit like that in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 26 says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. I really believe that the body of Christ right around the world is nowhere near as effective as it should be because so many people have fallen asleep on the gifts. For the body of Christ to be all it's designed to be, we need one another to all flourish in our unique God-given gifts. And so I asked you at the start of the service, 
I'll ask you again this morning. If I was to ask you today how God has gifted you and what purpose does your life have, would you be able to clearly define that or would you be left scratching your head? Maybe you're part of the second group and you don't really know how God has gifted you and how you could express those gifts. So let me give you three really quick tips. Number one, think about what you're good at and what you're passionate about. Think about what you're good at and what you're passionate about. Because I think if you can think about those two things, where they intersect is a not-too-subtle, God-given hint as to what God has created you to do, what you're good at and what you're passionate about, where they intersect. The second thing I would say is that you can find online ways to discover your spiritual gifts. So there's some that I've found really helpful. Um, There's one called an APES test, which discovers what your spiritual gifts are. You can go on that website and do the test, and it gives you a bit of an idea. If you want to know more about that particular test, I did a podcast just a few weeks ago with Alan Hirsch, and he goes into great depth on that, so you can watch the podcast. There's also an Enneagram test, which is all about personality, and sometimes as we discover the personalities we have, it, it kind of shows us how we're wired and how we can use the gifts that God's given us. And the third little tip I would give you is that you discover your gifts best within community. This is why I think life groups are so important, because it's a place to be known, It's a place to know others, it's a place to be cared for, but it's also a place to discover your gifts. And I've noticed over the years that we often see gifts in other people before they see them in themselves. Remember years ago, I asked a young girl to join our young adult team at a previous church, and she was already a wonderful leader. But I said, hey, I'm I'm coming to you because I've been praying and I believe that you should be on our leadership team. And she looked at me and said, oh, I'm not a leader. And I said, you're already leading. I'm just formalizing what you're already doing. And so she ended up joining the team and became one of the greatest leaders we ever had because she needed someone to identify in her the gifts that she had that she hadn't yet recognized. I think life groups is a really great place to do that. Last week I asked you to look around the room and I said to look in front of you, behind you, beside you and I asked you, what do you see? And I encouraged you not just to see random people from your church but to actually see brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want to ask you to do the same thing again today. I want you to look around the room at the people around you. And this time, not only will you see brothers and sisters, but what you're going to see is body parts. That sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? Like we're just watching a horror movie or we've stumbled on a horrific crime scene somewhere. It doesn't sound that good. But I really wanted that picture to be in your mind because it's a helpful way to see it. Because when the people in the body of Christ don't work together, that's what we become. A disembodied church, a horror scene. The world looks at it and goes, oh, I've had enough issues in my life without joining a church. And so we need to be people that actually work together. And so as you look around today, don't see body parts, but see one body where every part is important. Every part is valuable. Every part needs to work together for the body to function. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what is your part in this body? What is your part in this body? Next week, Adam is sharing on the topic of servanthood. And there's going to be opportunity after the service and via the website to sign up for opportunities to serve. And if you're part of the body of Christ here in this local church, there are so many ways you can use your gifts. And we would love to see 0% unemployment rate when it comes to serving at Follow. In other words, we desire to see every person belonging and contributing to the mission of God that he's given us here in the southeast of Melbourne. Everyone has a gift, but the question is, are we all using them? This week, I'd encourage you to pray, to ask God, to ask others in your life, to help you discover what your gifts are and how you can use those gifts for his glory, because that's what you've been created for.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, that as we open it up, it's so instructive to us, it's so encouraging to us. There's so much we can learn. And Lord, today as we consider the body of Christ, that we are your body, your hands and feet, and that each one of us has a unique and important part, Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to discover what the gifts are that you've given us and how we can step out in those gifts and use them for your glory. Lord, we're serious about being on mission in this region. We're serious about making a difference in the lives of people in our community. We're serious about telling the good news to people that haven't yet accepted you as their Lord. And Lord, as we do that, I pray that we would go as your body, your hands and feet, empowered by your Holy Spirit to be people that have an incredible impact in this community for your glory. And we pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.